Less Doing, episode 97. Ari talks with Christian Smith of Tracker about how you waste 14 minutes per day creating a worldwide network of finders and raising over a million dollars on Indiegogo. Welcome back to this episode of Less Doing Podcast. I'm Ari Mizell. And, and I'm Felix Bird. Yeah, we're working on our radio voices. <laughs> so uh, this episode of the Less Doing Podcast is sponsored by Less Doing. I want to tell everybody about the Less Doing Bootcamp, which kicked off a couple of weeks ago. And basically what I'm offering now is an eight-week program where people can sign up. And it's a weekly hour phone call where... I go through one of the fundamentals of my system in great depth, and then I allow for some question and answer, which is a unique opportunity for people. But then even more valuable than that is a Facebook group, a private Facebook group for all of those people where they can ask questions, get advice and answers from me, as well as the other people in the group. And the coolest thing is that each boot camp that goes on is added to this same Facebook group. So within a couple of rotations of this boot camp, we're going to have well over 100, 200 people in this group, which means that there's just a wealth of knowledge. If you ask a question, you're going to get some amazing answers. And we're doing some really, really cool things with automations and also highlighting different discussions that we have. So the Less Doing Bootcamp, which just kicked off a couple weeks ago, but the next one will be starting in January. And you can sign up to get more information on that. It is a $2,000 program. And uh, that is the Less Doing Bootcamp. So Thank you for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> wow. Every now and then we're going to have to throw in ads about our own stuff, Felix. It's just the way it's going to have to be. Wow, of course. Yeah. So uh, this week's, this episode's interview is with Christian Smith of Tracker. Now, I, I have to give a very public thank you to Christian because I had to cancel on him three times before we were able to get this interview because of various child-related issues. And we finally got to have a call and it was great. So Tracker is a little device that allows you to track various things, whether it's your phone or your keys or anything. And Felix, you've tested it out. I've tested it out. You, I have. What do you, you, you think of it? Well, um, I'm. the problem is my, my we put out my wife's keys and she's just too responsible. She never listens. Her keys up the whole time. So, But I did have an issue. It did say that it was cool. I did try it once and it did say it was calling it, but we didn't hear anything. So the one, that, so Felix yeah. and I got like a beta version, and I. I but it I, looks I, like they've updated it by judging by the pictures on the site. Right. So the Tracker Bravo, which is what we talked about in this interview, is their newest one, and it's uh, much much more advanced. So I, funny, it, it, oddly enough, I try this out. I put it in, in Anna's wallet, and literally the next day, I needed to use it to find her wallet, and it worked. But yes, the sound that comes out of it is not very loud. The new Tracker Bravo is. Really no, it was, it was loud enough. I just, um, <clears throat> I need to, I, I need to give it a proper test or put it on something else. Um, that's what I need to do. By the way, it's really cool. Did yeah. you, uh, did you try Unfair Advantage? I yeah, I gave it a try. I, I, I I've only tested it once, and I can't really, um, I can't really, um, no, I'm not really sure. No, I can't really give that's it a fair. Fair judgment yet, but we got those other ones. So okay, yeah. so unfair. I had to try it most of all because she's often a lot more tired than I am these days. Yeah, so unfair advantage is uh, is Dave Asprey's upgraded self newest thing. It's like the it's like the bulletproof version of five hour energy. Although it's not a 
it's not an energizer per se. It just basically allows your cells to utilize energy more effectively. And I've been really liking it. But um, yeah, you, you have to give it a, you know, a couple of tries to really notice. Yeah. Sometimes. It's not going to be like a shot of adrenaline. It's not meant to be that. So yeah, I was sure. just curious. I know. Okay, so then there's a, an interesting app that I found this week called Eat Your Greens. And I, so this is, this is an odd one, but I, I like the idea. Basically, you take a picture of your plate or what you're, whatever you're eating, and it basically, based on the colors on the plate, it will tell you how healthy the plate is and what you're missing. It's a really cool idea. I think it's a really cool idea. Well, so if you talk to grandmothers or mothers of a certain age, I think it's a pretty common expression to say, you know, a colorful plate is a healthy plate, right? Yeah. So it's basically, you know, my one question with this, because I didn't get to try it extensively because I don't have like gummy bears sitting around, but I'm curious if you have like, you know, neon green sour apple you know sour patch kids, like if it'll be like, oh, you have (laughs) greens on your plate. I mean, I don't think... You know, I think people will be confused about that. <laughs> I don't think the. Um, I think they s- safely assume that you know that that's bad. And that's not gonna. Yeah. Well, I, I think that one issue is that most, not most. I think people, that's it's not probably going to take the colors and go for you know purple is you know very good and yeah purple be your anti purple and blue be your antioxidants green will be your chlorophylls and stuff yeah yeah, i i agree and it is i think most importantly you don't want a plate of white food you don't want white bread with white potatoes and white pasta and like that's that's not a very diverse plate yeah i think it's a cool concept i think it's an interesting way to approach this you're not counting calories you're basically looking at the diversity of your plate yeah so i thought that was cool uh I feel like every week there's one of these mood trackers. And, you know, as I've said before, the the issue with mood trackers is a lot of times you're tracking the mood that you're about to be in or that, you you know, you're coming out of. So it's it's very hard to track the specific mood you're in. But this one looks interesting. It's called mood print. And basically it sends you an email and asks you how you feel. And you respond. And it's going to give you a, a sort of a, a quantified version of how your mood is throughout the day and throughout the week. And mm. With the mood ones, what I find is that they're very individual. You know, it's really, it's really up to the person using it to try it and see what they think of it. Mm-hmm. So this, but this one looks like a really elegant representation. You know, as I'm always saying, part of it is getting the data. Another part of it is sort of analyzing the data. So right. I'd really, uh, I'd love to hear what people think of mood print. If, and if they do mood tracking at all, you know, maybe you have a better example, but mood print. So uh, then the next one is called track memo. So there, this is not a new com- I mean, sorry, this is not a new concept, but it is a newcomer. And basically, what they say is it's a news feed for your cloud apps. They're very clever. I yeah. Was with this idea. So I love the idea. You know, as we move more and more to the cloud, and I certainly am almost completely cloud based. Basically, what this will do is it'll take your Google Drive and your Dropbox and GitHub and Basecamp and Trello and all of your cloud services and give you sort of a digest, you know, an overview of everything that's been happening in all of those things, but in one place. So if you're working on projects collaboratively with people, you can chat through it. You can see, oh, so-and-so worked on this document in Google Docs, and then this person updated uh, 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 it on, on Dropbox. And it's, clever, yeah, yeah, so it basically becomes like an inbox for your cloud services, which, <clears throat> which I like. Now, it's in early beta right now, but it's there have been things like this before and I'm trying to remember one was called uh cloud app or something, but Oh, Hajoki is one. Hajoki is one that does that, but this, this looks like a, a nicer version, honestly. So very excited about this. 
Did you uh, did you have a chance to look at Meadow? <laughs> Uh, I did, yes, yes. Let's have a look. Which one was Meadow? The weed delivery. Oh yes, yes, yes. And I love the names. I'm so that's well. That's what I thought was the funniest thing. Okay, so first yeah. of all, this is in San Francisco, and it is it's Uber for medicinal marijuana, and basically you can get your cannabis-based medicines delivered right to your door. But what, which is in itself, it's cool, it's great actually. But what's so funny is. The versions of the of marijuana they have on here, they have one that's called Girl Scout Cookies, <laughs> they have one that's called Jack Herrer, and then they have one called Blueberry Kush, and they all they have pictures of them, and it just seems like an odd thing to me. Not that I'm not like a marijuana connoisseur by any stretch of the imagination, but it seems to me odd that you would look on an app and be like, hmm, like this sounds good and this looks good. I wonder if they have reviews. Maybe you can like thumbs up and thumbs down the different uh, marijuanas, but. Anything that's on demand, I love. So now you can have weed on demand. I will tell you a funny story. When I was advising One One, which is a on-demand delivery service in New York City, they got, uh, at the time, they got a couple people who had requested marijuana. And obviously the people were either joking or they were already high. And he had to write back and sort of give them a, a very PC explanation of why they couldn't do that. But I guess there's a market for this. Yeah, right. But it also seems to me that if you're going to, well, this is not for illicit drugs. This is for medicinal marijuana, but it still seems like, like, I don't know, del- delivery of this is something that might have already been figured out, but maybe not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if anybody's using Meadow, I'd love, I'd love to hear about their experience. <laughs> and it's just in San Francisco. <laughs> So uh, for yeah, right. th- this episode's uh, crowdfunding campaign is on Indiegogo and it's called Flare Down. So they're playing on flare up, for instance. They're talking about it says decode your chronic illness. So I l- I'm already in love with this, but basically it's a simple, beautiful way to track your chronic illness. Now, as somebody who suffered with a chronic illness, it's really interesting to see these kinds of things because the quantified self stuff really, really helped me. Yeah. Oh, and me. I had a hypothyroid. That's right. That's right. So probably the best illness you could possibly have, by the way. <laughs> really why do you say that you like being you like being hot and skinny well i mean you know if you have to choose an illness i would choose that one it's um <laughs> you know you can't eat enough you you lose weight um and you know <laughs> it's just there, are, awesome. there are other side effects as well i mean uh, but you know no one wants an illness so if you have to choose one i recommend that one right well Mm-hmm. thank you for that review of hyperthyroidism yeah so uh but this is i think it's great this is there's all sorts of ways to quantify this stuff already honestly you can do your mood you can do bowel movements you can do all that kind of stuff but this this sort of centralizes it and it's with the goal of dealing with a chronic illness so i i love what they're doing and i think that this is something if you're dealing with a chronic illness really really check it out and what they're trying to do is also create sort of a community, I think, where you can get answers to questions. So they're giving oh, examples. That's pretty cool. Yeah. They're giving examples like, does acupuncture treat rheumatoid arthritis? Does low-dose naltrexone treat lupus? Does the specific carbohydrate diet treat Crohn's disease? So uh, it's it's a really, really good thing that, that needs to happen so you can aggregate some of that data. Wow. Um, okay. So then there is this thing called the clean cube. And... It's a really interesting idea. So what this is, is they install this in buildings and it's a, a locker, basically. So it's like a locker system and it's it's not small, but there's like a one opening and then I guess there's different storage areas. And basically the way that this works is that you can get package delivery. You can do 
wash and fold laundry, dry cleaning, and eventually grocery delivery. But basically, for example, you put in, you put a code in, you put in your laundry, and then somebody comes and picks it up and they get it washed and they put it back in the cube and then you have it 24 hours later. So it's like a, it's like a physical drop box for uh, yeah. the things you need to do. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting. I mean, you can do a lot of this stuff with on-demand services. You can certainly get grocery delivery from like Instacart. You can get your laundry picked up and cleaned by like cleanly. There's other things that'll do this, but this pretty makes this makes it very seamless. And you're walking out of your door, you put it in there in your lobby in this little locker, and then mm-hmm. you go about your day. So it's an interesting idea. I'd be curious to see how buildings sort of adopt this. As somebody who is a real estate developer, th- this would be a cool amenity I think to have. Yeah. So, yeah, be a good one for your parents' building in um, in the city, no? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, also for people who don't necessarily want to use apps or they're not so tech savvy, I think this also takes that out of it because you're just literally, you know, opening a door, putting it in, walking away, and this, uh, okay, and this, then telling the service that that do they get the number as well? And then, they yeah. so I think it, it basically the way it works is an automatic <clears throat> notification. You basically put in a code, open the door, put it in, close the door, and you walk away. And then you know, twenty four hours later, or you get an email or, or a call saying it's ready. You can pick it up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So. Basically, uh, yeah, I, th- I, I, th- I think it's really cool. Uh, the last service is, this is really interesting. It's called Lukewarm Emailer. So basically, the way that this works is that you find people on Twitter that you want to contact. And, and I'll tell you why this is interesting to me. But uh, you find people on Twitter that you want to contact. And you can add you know, hundreds of people, it says at once. And then basically they will locate the email address for you. They crowdsource apparently to locate that. And you get this whole spreadsheet. And there's basically, it's like a contact list. So it's people you want to get in contact with. So whether they're industry leaders or in my case, it would be people that I want to get on the podcast, for instance. Okay. Lukewarm then will present a ready to send email from a template you create. And you can customize your one and then you click it and it goes. So, and then you can track the progress of it. So this is like, it's interesting. It's like a, it's almost like a CRM system, but it's based on people you're finding on Twitter, which is really cool because a lot of times you can find people on Twitter a lot easier than you can necessarily find them on email or contact them. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. you know, like when I'm in the car and I find and I hear a podcast interview with somebody and I want to get them on my podcast, I will usually tweet them first. And sometimes that's really helpful and successful and sometimes it's not. So this is I, I like that this is uh, systematizing this in a really cool way. That is really cool. Yeah, I was wondering how it how it worked exactly. Um, but that is really really impressive. Yeah. So that's all for this episode. We got the interview with Christian coming up, and thank you all for listening. All right. See you next time. Now I'm speaking with Christian Smith, who is one of the co-founders of the Tracker, which is a device you're going to hear all about. So, uh, Christian, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. Of course, Ari. Thanks for having me. So, first of all. Tell everybody what the tracker is. Sure. So tracker is a really simple way to find misplaced or lost valuables. You download an application and put a quarter-sized device on your keys. Um, You can slip one inside your wallet. You can stick it to your computer or remote control. And the two talk via Bluetooth. If you leave something behind, then... uh, you can see where you left it on a map. And when you get to that point on a map, then you can press a button on the app and then beep your keys. Um, it also works the other way. So if your cell phone is on silent and it slips into the couch cushions, 
you can press and hold the button on the tracker device and it'll cause your phone to ring. And we just announced recently uh, that we have about 5 million people in our crowd GPS network. So say you're out to dinner with your family and you leave your keys, uh, you know, or the, your keys fall out of, of your pocket um, and you, you don't remember that you left them at the restaurant, then the tracker app running on another person's phone who's walking by the restaurant uh, will see your keys and then report back to our server. And then we can let you know that you, uh, you know, where the updated location and time that your lost item was seen. So, uh, okay. So it's awesome automatically. Like, I just think it's such a cool thing. Um, it, it, on the one hand, it's almost, it's a little bit like insurance. You know, it's one of those things that you know, you want to have it, but you hope you don't have to use it. Um, I did have to use it. Uh, literally like two days after you sent me the one to try, I put the wallet tracker in my wife's wallet. My wife loses her phone pretty much 15 times a day and her wallet uh, like two or two times a day, like pretty much every day. Um, and we were in a hurry. We had the three kids in the car trying to get out of there and she couldn't find her wallet. And I took out my phone and I found it. Um, and it, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, and it was great. But so my, my initial concern with it, which you, you've already explained, but I want to talk about the technology was, you know, Bluetooth. By the way, you say 100 feet on your on the website. I thought Bluetooth had a range of like 35 feet. Is that incorrect? So the, uh, the protocol that we're using um, is Bluetooth low energy. Um, the Bluetooth that is used for audio um, is a little bit shorter range. Ah, okay. That makes sense. Okay. So, well, e even at a hundred feet, but I, you know, I was going around my house and I was trying to find it and I, and I did find it. Uh, it was in, uh, in between the seats of the other car that we, that we had, but still, so that was my initial concern. It's like, well, I have to be really close to it for the Bluetooth to pick it up. But this concept of using, I can't believe you have 5 million users. That's amazing. I mean, so the concept of using other people to basically create this mesh network is, is pretty incredible. Yeah, we're really excited to just make it easy for people to find, you know, their lost items. And we see that, you know, there have been a, quite a few studies that show the average American spends about 14 minutes every day searching for stuff. I mean, we're just very disorganized as a culture and we have so much going on um, that sometimes we just, you know, forget where things are. Um, you know, the, the metaphor that I like to use is how many phone numbers do you remember? Well, not as many as when, you know, before cell phones, because we've taken that whole database of numbers and we've put it into the cell phone. We're doing that with all of the things uh, that people want to to help keep track of. So now, basically, and I'm sorry to like focus on this because this is probably like very basic to you, but the, the, the whole like mesh network thing, because so basically everyone who has the app, their phone or their phone or their device is constantly looking for other trackers. So when uh, you, so when the, the tracker app that's running on your phone uh, looks for your wife's keys, uh, then it also just um, you know looks around to see if there are any other lost trackers. So it's it's yeah, it's doing just a little bit of uh, of looking. And I mean, do you? I mean, you have people. I'm assuming all over around the world using it, right? Um, yeah, yeah, we have um, 
customers, you know, most uh, mostly in the U.S. Um, and Europe, um, in major metropolitan areas. So, I mean, the, the odds of you finding something that you I, like. One of the things that I think is so cool about this too is like if you're traveling, for instance, you know, and you do happen to lose something, like you're on your way to the airport and you get out of the cab and you drop you drop your wallet, you drop your key, whatever it might be, and that actually, the, <laughs> I thought of this. I was in LA on Saturday and when I got out of the cab to go to the airport, my keys did actually fall in my pocket and thankfully I saw that and, and picked them up. But I feel like it's that kind of cool situation where you, well, not cool per se, but like you'd get home and then be able to find it halfway across the country. It's, it's, it's pretty much like find my, my iPhone for a device the size of a quarter. It is exactly. And that's, you know, the, the more users we have, I think the more powerful um, use cases it's going to enable, like, you know, interacting with your, your valuables and, and getting them back from across the country. Um, you know, we've just done that with bikes uh, today. With bikes. Yeah, it's great. You know, we bought a fleet of Craigslist bicycles and we attached a little sticker under the seat and then we leave these bikes out and, you know, someone will take them at night and uh, then a few days later, um, you know, we get a, a, a GPS update that, uh, you know, somebody has you know, walked by the bike or uh, ridden by the bike. And that allows us to, um, that allows us to see that item and then go back and get that from, you know, the, the person. So we'll knock on their door and ask them if they've seen our, you know, purple mountain bike and, a lot of times they'll deny it and uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll ask if, uh, you know, we can look in their backyard and if they, uh, if they, you know, continue to say no, then we can make the bike beep, uh, which is kind of the, the real uh, killer use case. Yeah, that's right? kind that of like the, cl- the clutch, uh, the clutch move there. <laughs> it, yep, exactly. So, uh, yeah, we've been really happy to see that that kind of data is coming back from just the, the network that we have. Um, in Santa Barbara, where our company's headquartered. So, uh, okay. So, I, I mean, I, th- I think people probably get what the technology is. It's very straightforward, the, the way that, you know, the use case. So I want to I talk about a little bit of the guts, and then I also want to talk about the funding process that you went through, because that's also very impressive. So, first of all, had, like, it, what is your background? What got you to develop this pretty awesome piece of technology? So, I was a mechanical engineer at UC Santa Barbara, and one of my good friends was an electrical engineer. Uh, you know, we had started a surfing club together, and um, we were starting to realize that you know there's a, a large opportunity in um, in starting uh, starting up you know companies. And um, we were working on an idea for the new venture fair uh, business plan competition that uh, UCSB puts on. And we were brainstorming all these really bad you know, engineering, you know, ideas, right? Like two engineers just getting together, thinking of very engineering things. Uh-huh. And then our third friend who was supposed to be joining us for dinner walked in late and he said the fateful words, hey guys, sorry, I'm late. I lost my phone. And that, that's when we had that the aha moment was if we can prevent people from losing their phones, their keys, you know, because we'd all lost our stuff uh, at that point. And realize that you know this is a big problem for us personally so let's solve it okay so you go from that what how like how big was the first prototype oh gosh it was the size of a rubber eraser and uh the battery lasted for about uh one uh one week 
okay. uh, on a rechargeable battery. And, and so it was, uh, yeah, not not the best uh, prototype, but you know, we were able to sell about a thousand of them on Amazon um, and get a, uh, a lot of feedback. There were some people that it was very, very useful for, um, which was, uh, you know, that's that we got the the proof of concept out there um, from some customers. Okay, so then, and and the current device is about the size of a quarter, and the battery lasts how long? Uh, for a year, yeah, it's okay. the it's about the size of uh, three quarters stacked on top of each other, yes, and so quite an improvement. The, the, <laughs> yeah, that that's the uh, and the latest uh, crowdfunding project that we have uh, is about the size of a uh, silver dollar, so it's even thinner. Really? Okay. So now let's talk about crowdfunding a little bit. Okay. So you guys raised a million dollars in your crowdfunding campaign, which, you know, there, there are a few that have done that, but there's not a ton that have done that. And what was your original goal? So in, uh, we had set the goal to about $20,000. Okay. Uh, so. We just wanted to make this available to, you know, um, to our customer base and, um, there's a little bit of, uh, you know, when you're fundraising, um, you, you know, you can kind of, uh, engineer the, the goal, uh, so that, you know, people who after about $20,000, you know, after we got $20,000 in funding, people who came to the campaign could see that, uh, you know, the campaign had been fully funded. And so they'd be more comfortable, um, you know, with our brand. Right, of course. Okay, but still, a million dollars. I mean, actually, how much did you end up raising in the end total? Um, so during the campaign, it was uh, one point two, I think, yeah, one point two six million. So just over one and a quarter. Okay, so now, I mean, did you did you plan on it going that well, or did? I mean, was there some surprise there, or was it a little bit like a holy shit moment at some point? <laughs> um, it was. There were, we were definitely really excited to, to see the sales traction. Um, it was more of a, just a consistent effort. Um, and at first, we weren't sure if we were going to, to make it over a million. Uh, but we had uh, a few kind of key, uh, key traction points that, uh, that really helped us. Can, can uh, you talk about them a little bit, or is it proprietary? Yeah, so um, a big thing... You know, one of the big things that happened for us was um, because we were on Indiegogo. Um, you know, we were able to, uh, you know, understand uh, like what campaigns need to to be featured um, on on Indiegogo's homepage, and so we were able to kind of create a campaign that um, that was featured on the homepage for weeks, uh, which really you know helped drive a lot of traffic uh and, and get new people to uh to see the page um also we uh, made sure that people could uh, both monetarily contribute to the campaign um as well as uh you know through sharing um you know earn different prizes and we had you know uh we even gave someone a, a trip to santa barbara an all-expense trip uh to santa barbara for uh for you know the person who shared the most on the campaign. Okay, so then once you did get the funding, now, was that for the Bravo or was that for the, that was for the original one? Uh, that was for the Bravo. It was okay, fine. So and then when and, and since then, you said that's how much you raised on, on the original campaign. So how much have you raised since then? 
Um, so we've, uh, we actually, if you take a look, if you search for Tracker Bravo on Indiegogo, um, you'll be able to see that we're um, on the forever funding campaign. Oh. So um, it's a, a new feature that Indiegogo just launched um, that allows you to uh, continue fundraising if you, you so desire. And so we've raised about $47,000 um, on, on, uh, on, let's see, since we launched uh, forever funding. Okay, so I'm looking at it right now. So a total of 1.3 million, which is, I mean, again, it's a congratulations for the first part. But the other thing that's amazing to me is how affordable this thing is. I mean, if you buy the 10 pack, it's basically 10 bucks per device. Yes, yeah, we wanted to make it really easy for you know people to try it, and we've learned that you know people, um, you know, our goal is to to really make it easy for you know a whole family to keep track of their stuff. Uh, so we wanted to make it just really uh, you know, e- easy and affordable for for everyone to uh, to you know try it out. Yeah, okay. well, and, and I believe you've accomplished that. So you know, you, you talked about the bike example on the on the website. You talk about having it as a pet tracker, also, which I think is great. Um, are there some sort of maybe unusual uses that you have either seen people use it for, or that you might see people using it for in the future? Um, you know, I think that it, it would be really interesting to um, put this in cars. <clears throat> so if, if, say, your car was stolen, that you'd have a way uh. to uh, to recover it. Um, or at least, you know, know where it got moved to. Well, so one thing I was thinking about, actually, is, is, is and I mean, I, I, I shudder at the thought, honestly, because I have three kids, but as a child tracker... Um, because I mean, there's a, there's a bunch out there that are, most of them are like wristwatches, uh, that have GPS units built into them. And, and it always was weird to me because if my kid got lost in a crowd or at a museum or something, I don't know if I'd have the, the wherewithal to pull out an app. I'd probably just start running around like crazy, but I, I almost feel like you could use this for sort of discrete tracking, Without, I mean, let's just like stick this in a kid's backpack and not have to worry about it for a year. And you know, if something ever were to maybe happen, it's there. Uh, I, th- I think it's. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think that you know there are definitely you know some possible use cases there. I'm the oldest of seven kids, so I you know know the feeling of being frantic and searching around for that you know one kid who wandered off in the grocery store. Um, <laughs> but I, it's uh, it is a tough use case to um, you know. To, because kids have legs and they can, you know, kind of keep running where a wallet, if it, you know, drops out of your pocket, then it's not very, you know, not going to move uh, very much on its own unless someone picks it up. That's true. Um, what about what about things like, uh, well, I mean, you could use it for like luggage tracking too, right? Or like, um, or even packages to some extent. Yeah, we see that, you know, the... I mean, just for fun I, even. I use it for for luggage if I uh, if I'm traveling somewhere and I have to check my bag um, because Bluetooth is an acceptable acceptable wireless protocol on uh, on planes now um, and you can you know the if you put one in your luggage you can actually see on the tracker app that your luggage got onto the plane if you're on the plane you mean 
uh, yeah, if yeah, you, yeah, right, budget, you know that it's an underbelly. Yeah, no, I, and that's that's what I was thinking of too. But then also, of course, if it got lost and you know ended up in like Costa Rica by accident, and then you might be able to hopefully somebody is on the network. But uh, so, uh, it, how much of your? I mean, maybe it's the same thing, but do, are, do you have any specific effort focus on just wanting to grow the network? Basically, I mean, because somebody somebody could be part of the the network of finding things without having the device, right? Um, yes, we, um, we have the ability for you to, uh, you know, if you have Bluetooth, uh, Bluetooth audio connection in your car, um, you can download the tracker app and add your car uh, to the app so that you can, um, remember where you parked your car. So every time you turn your car off, the Bluetooth turns off and then the app remembers where on the Google map, uh, you, you left your, your car. No, but I, I mean, just like if you want to be, if you think it's cool to be part of this network that could possibly find people's lost goods, so you just want to have the app on your phone, almost like like SETI, you know, like where you're just using like excess computing power to possibly find lost goods. Oh yeah, I think that's a that's a really interesting idea. We we uh, so you could do that. You could just download the app and then do that. Yes, yeah. If you uh, log in to uh, sign up for the Crowd GPS network and then. Um, if the app is running in the background of your phone, uh, then you could uh, be a finder. That's really cool. So now you said that the, the next one is going to be like a silver dollar, basically. Is there something planning beyond that? Or are you just trying to get smaller and longer battery life? Or like what, what's, what's sort of the, the roadmap? I think that um, you know, the, the general consumer is really interested in, uh, in smaller. Um, and I think the, uh, the battery life, you know, as long as it's over like about six months that it, uh, it doesn't, you know, it's really not something that we think about too much. Um, so yeah, it, as long as it's, you know, about six months or a year, then that's going to you know, be, uh, be good enough. Okay. And then have you, uh, have you had a actually like re-engineer or create new kinds of technology for this, like new power, new transmitters or anything, or is, are you basically been able to repurpose some other technologies or other pro- even components. Yeah. So the, I mean, the really complex part is, you know, the interaction uh, between the phones and, and devices. Um, and so that's where, you know, we've, we've spent a lot of, uh, a lot of work. Um, I, I mean, in terms of, you know, the hardware um, it's, we want to be as standard as possible uh, so that the, the interoperability uh, between the phone and the device, uh, you know, works really well. I mean, there, there's lots of Android phones and um, and iPhones that all work a little bit differently on this protocol. Um, so that's kind of where the the real engineering challenges are. Um, with Tracker Bravo, we did do um, a lot of antenna engineering to cre- you know build this device out of um, out of aluminum. And, you know, typically aluminum will, will actually block the, the radio signal from going out. And really? We were able to, yeah, engineer um, a really great antenna. That, that wouldn't be affected by the aluminum. That's interesting. That's correct, yeah. That's, it's, you know, something that Apple's been able to do uh, really well. Um, and a few, other, uh, a few other major consumer electronics companies, so... We were excited to you know, incorporate that new material, uh, which allowed us to make the thinner device. Very, very cool. Well, 
I, I really hope everyone gets a chance to check it out. And as I said, I got to play with not the Bravo, but the, the what's the name of the one that I got to use a sticker? Uh, yeah, I sent you a sticker and, and, and wallet wall, tracker and the wallet tracker. Yeah. So, and, and like I said, I, I used, I actually needed to use it within three days of getting it. So, uh, I was very, very impressed. And, uh, anyway, all right. So th- we're basically running out of time here. Christian, th- this has really been interesting for me. It's been really cool to share this and I, and just, I, I'm kind of a, looking forward to seeing some big finds that might happen out of this. Um, so where can people find out more and, pre-order their their tracker bravo sure if you uh go to our website it's the tracker.com and tracker is spelled t-r-a-c-k-r we lost the e so we uh yeah aha <laughs> uh-huh. that's, that's funny um well and we'll have links of course to the show notes but that's that's great so so christian thank you so much for your time and thank you for sharing that with us and um we wish you the best of luck with further orders and further technological developments. So thank you. Thanks, Ari. Yeah, hopefully we can uh, save everybody 15 minutes a day searching for their keys. Exactly. All right, take care. Hey, everyone, it's Felix here. Thanks for taking the time to listen in, and we hope you're enjoying the podcast. We always like to hear your feedback. Please make sure to check out the blog at lessdoing.com where you can find out about Ari's elite group coaching mastermind group as well as the Less Doing University, which has over 100 hours of video content and a question and answer forum too. Also, if you love the show, please take a moment to leave us a positive review on iTunes. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.